0: Hey, common scientists, we're coming to you this week with the topic of coffee. So I know many of you probably started your day with coffee. Maybe you're sipping on it right now, but we're going to get into the ins and outs of coffee and a little bit also the science of caffeine and some industry as well. And it's going to be an exciting and enticing time. Just a note for everyone We are common scientists, meaning we practice common science. That means that we're not experts. We do research, bring it to the table, and do our best to cultivate some answers and understanding between the three of us. And we hope that you can learn from it, too. So I'm going to kick it to Aiden to start with a quote about coffee.
1: So this is a quote by Benjamin Franklin and it is among the numerous luxuries of the table. Coffee may be amongst the most valuable. It excites cheerfulness without intoxication and is never followed by debility. What does that invoke in the two of you common scientists?
0: And who said the quote?
1: Benjamin Franklin said it. He is a big coffee fan.
0: Among the best things on the table, basically. Yeah. <laughs> coffee is one of them, he says. Because you don't get hungover and it makes you happy. hmm Fascinating.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure about the hungover part, but I do... I mean, there is something special about coffee, as we've kind of talked about just in passing and knowing each other. I've had my issues and my frustrations with and my differences with the idea of coffee and how we use coffee, etc., etc., but I think, yeah, in general, coffee or caffeine, among all of the drugs and substances and AIDS, supplements, it does seem like it, it is one of the better ones. It does seem like, I mean, it's helped us become, um, achieve a lot as we'll go into in some of the history. And I know uh, that around that time frame where Benjamin Franklin, coffee was relatively new in mm-hmm. um, the Western world. So, I mean, yeah, uh, that quote makes perfect sense. And I'm sure one thing too, about that time and the founding of America. Mm-hmm. So one thing I didn't know is I always knew that a lot of the revolutionary meetings were in taverns and mm-hmm. pubs and stuff like that. And I'd always assumed like it was around beer, but then in my research for this, it was saying like, Oh no, a lot of these were actually coffee houses. Like there were taverns and yes, they did sell alcohol, but they were going there for coffee. And it, uh, one of the, um webs- or a couple of websites and articles I looked at were really stringing together a lot of how coffee was instrumental in well the American Revolution as well as the French Revolution and a few others as well so coffee is also a very revolutionary drug which I thought was pretty cool
0: yeah wow. yeah
1: I think or a drink, uh, I should say
0: yeah
1: I'm trying to remember which I don't I have no idea which king it was but there was a king in England who tried to ban the coffee houses yeah, who was, was that? There was uproar. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is... It, because he he was concerned about all the conversations going on at these coffee houses. Yes. Coffee is inherently a revolutionary drug because it was like the drug of...
2: or I keep saying drug. Drink. I, I So you guys can tell.
0: Coffee caffeine. You
2: can tell, right? Because usually when you're talking about coffee, you're usually talking about caffeine at the same time, right? Not decaf. And I have obviously tie the idea of it being a drug together because in society we don't usually talk about it that way. Yeah. We talk about it as a beverage and we try to pretend like caffeine isn't a drug and it's not like all these other drugs, right? Of course there's differences, but whatever. So if I say drug, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> beverage, drink, drug, etc. But yeah, it is by by nature or in the Western world, it is a revolutionary drug because it was a drug, a drink for the people and also for young people and one of the so to your point with that king i can't I know you were looking it up i can't r- recall who it was mm-hmm. but they made this group this kind of coffee club with like all these bright intellectuals all these forward thinkers like isaac newton robert boyle haley the mm-hmm. guy who na- mapped out haley's camp comet all these really really intelligent people and of course when you have the enlightenment and the renaissance and forward thinking a lot of these people were not for the crown so there was this king who was kind of like oh coffee is the, de- the the demon and we have kind of we have these ideas with like marijuana too where it's like we had that in america where it's like marijuana is the devil and you're like oh like you're like those are crazy presidents like nixon was crazy and you're like all oh, this king was crazy but he was right like this coffee right. was very anti uh their establishment you know, their system, very yeah. anti establishment
1: yeah so it was in 1675 king charles ii made an attempt So it doesn't seem like he was successful to shut down coffee houses with an edict. He stated that coffee houses have produced very evil and dangerous effects. (laughs) And they were also disturbance of the peace and quiet realm.
0: I swear you could take that quote minus the round part and like insert it somewhere in my childhood. And I'm sure I heard almost that exact thing about marijuana from my parents growing Mm. up. That it's like the devil's whatever it said. Right, yeah. Yeah, wow. Fascinating how, yeah, it seems like throughout history we choose something to demonize, a substance to demonize, whether or not it's, like, founded. But it seems with coffee it might not be founded, I suppose, if it's been around for so long. We continue to drink it. <laughs> Um, and I think a lot of people now even kind of depend on it, which it, we can get into. It's a little scary, mm-hmm. but how about you guys do you both drink coffee?
2: I, for the most part, don't drink coffee. It's not that I never do. Like there comes a time when I might just grab like a espresso or whatever. And that is very specific in that it will be an espresso. Cause it's just like, for me, it's like a shot of vodka. It's like, ah, I'm getting it out. <laughs> like I'll oh, <laughs> get it over with, you know? me the effects i'm not yeah. here to sip on it enjoy it nothing like that i just want the benefits same as alcohol i don't caffeine. think alcohol is good and i yeah exactly the caffeine, the caffeine um benefit so I, you will never ever see me like just sipping on like a decaf those people i can't even comprehend no
1: offense i just i'm like how is that possible <laughs> yeah. you guys drink decaf
2: yeah. <laughs> oh my god I, oh,
1: <laughs> I love the flavor of coffee yeah, yeah. oh my god. i can drink i mean yeah right now we've got a this french press that uh brews two cups every morning so lauren will have a cup and i'll have a cup if it was not a french press and if it were were something automatic i would be i would be drinking coffee all morning Mm. i worked at one one company that had an automatic coffee maker it was dangerous i was slurping down cups on cups yeah um but yeah it's for me it's a routine for sure that every morning i'm having my cup of coffee and then some sometimes a good portion of the time i'll have an espresso around okay. 10 or 11 yeah <laughs> yeah relate. which but. is not
0: what you don't down. which you like sip on and mm-hmm. enjoy sip on a, an espresso yeah just like mm-hmm. bring it in yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> oh wow, decaf coffee with a little vanilla ice cream that's one hell of a dessert
2: wow i cannot even fathom okay
0: yeah i'm a big fan of getting decaf coffee with a dessert to have something to to kind of calm a sweet if i'm wanting like Mm -hmm. like pie and decaf coffee phenomenal Mm -hmm. or ice cream or something like that but
2: yeah i suppose it kind of makes sense like, not you. Your guys don't make sense. But I'm trying to figure <laughs> out why I hate these things. <laughs> so I also don't like chocolate, which like the oh uh, yeah whatever. What's the chocolate bean called? Is it just cocoa or is it cacao? How do they? How do they pronounce that bean? Uh, whatever it is, yeah. like the yeah, cocoa bean or whatever. The origins yeah. of chocolate, and then also the um, coffee bean. They both kind of they're pretty similar, mm-hmm. and it makes sense because chocolate is also pretty bitter as well. Obviously, we mm. just pump sugar into it, which yeah. we do the same with coffee. But yeah. both of them are pretty bitter, as well as beers as well. But I don't like those flavors. I've always mm. thought, ever since a kid, that bitter is does not taste good. And I think usually white like, kids don't really like coffee that much. So, so I never really grew out of that.
0: Here's a thought, and maybe one of you can look it up if I can't remember all the pieces. But did you ever do the experiment in college or high school with litmus paper? Mm. Seeing if you were a taster or not?
2: I'm pretty sure we did.
0: Okay. But describe it. Yeah, I'll describe it briefly, but you guys might have to also look up. Um, There are actually genetics, like there is coding in your DNA, right, that determines whether or not you are a taster for really bitter um, food items. And you can test it using litmus paper. And I don't remember the actual gene, and I don't remember if it applies to all bitter substances. But in when I was in college, we did just a little pilot study or a little study on our own population. And we found a strong correlation for the tasters also not liking coffee. So if you're someone out there who's like, gosh, I just can't get over the bitterness of coffee, maybe it's because you're like considered to have the taster gene. Being turned on, which means you just are more apt to like tasting bitter things. Whereas I am a non taster, hmm. so maybe for me, coffee is experienced as much less bitter. Does that make some sense? Interesting, yeah. Some people
1: have a more heightened like sense of taste, is what you're saying.
0: A bitter taste, yeah.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I for sure enjoy. So it's, it, it's interesting. You draw the parallel with coffee, or coffee between coffee and cocoa, uh, because I definitely enjoy, enjoy dark chocolate and then black coffee as well. Mm. So I've got kind of the the parallel between the two. Yeah, you have like dead taste buds or something, <laughs>
2: basically. <laughs> Dang, that's yeah that's so hard for me to comprehend it's one of those things it's always been one of those things for me where you know sometimes you can disagree with somebody but like you can kind of understand okay i I kind of get it Mm -hmm. chocolate and coffee has always been one of those things i can't even comprehend i'm just like, how does this taste good it's so i don't know it's just so hard for me to and what's another one like uh too Mm. like there's just some of these like Bitter, acidic, like these weird tasting things. I'm just like, how? These yeah. are designed for you to like not eat them.
0: So literally lit- the litmus test that I was just talking about mm-hmm. is a test for acidity or the alkalinity Okay. Um, using litmus. And if you can, yeah, if you're a taster, then you're more prone to like you experience it in a much more heightened level the acidity Mm. or the alkalinity yeah and so it would make sense that i would bet you're a taster right because you experience these things in a much more like visceral way it almost seems whereas yeah i'm like oh my gosh i love dark chocolate i really like coffee yeah Yeah, it's fascinating
1: Hmm. i also like spicy food does that play into it at all
2: i wonder i'm obviously we're just you know,
1: speculating. yeah
2: speculating <laughs> whatever just chatting uh i also like most of my life into the last couple of years i've all, I've also hated spicy food as well so i also have a high sensitivity to that that mm. seems like they wouldn't be that related but perhaps
0: um, yeah i would i would guess no because spice is measured not in acidity or basicness mm-hmm. like it's measured in heat units which is something totally different mm. um and then what we're talking about yeah being bitter is determined by the ph or the amount of hydrogen uh, in a substance so
2: i'm just a sensitive guy i guess
0: yeah i guess maybe it's the thing that just <laughs> throw
2: off my equilibrium which is like nope don't like this <laughs> at all
0: so when did you guys start drinking caffeinated beverages or specifically Ooh. coffee I'm
1: trying to think in undergrad for sure Mm-hmm. You
0: didn't I, drink caffeinated beverages in high school or middle school?
1: No. Nope. In undergrad, I also. It's funny. I I made it. I think through my first semester, and then I, like, I I had been telling myself the story. I had been telling myself was that. Oh, I don't, I don't need coffee. Like coffee's for the, for the week. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love that story. And then then second semester, uh, I had a paper due and left too little time to accomplishment, Mm. accomplish it, uh, without needing to stay up all night. And so coffee became my muse. You were hooked. I was hooked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. pull
2: that all nighter. And you are just like, pull, wow. pull that all
1: nighter. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I had a very similar story. And we've definitely had a couple similarities throughout our conversations, Aiden and I. But yeah, pretty similar. I was just like, yeah, it's, why would I want to be dependent upon something? I've always been able to rely on my own passion and will to push through things, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, in college, you're still at the height of your mental and physical capabilities. But the strain that you're put under with all the social things, sports, school, academics, et cetera, being at the peak, it's a lot more strenuous than most people have ever experienced, So, or like you've all ever experienced at that point in your life, academically and stuff. So I, I went through something similar where I was like, no, never going to do it. Then I had a couple finals I was studying for that I fell asleep and didn't do so hot or whatnot, and then I was like, okay, let me try this coffee thing as a last resort and It was still probably only a handful of times I've ever I ever had coffee in college, but it was like I was making the intentional decision. I can't make it through. I'm not gonna be able to push through this. Let me get that added boost. And I had to swallow my pride a little bit, but I I was still raging against the dying of the light for sure. I still am. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny.
0: I had a different experience. Um, So I grew up as a pastor's kid and. That meant that I did a lot of social events with adults, uh, including church, every single Sunday. And after church, there were always coffee and donuts offered um, or coffee and cookies, something like that. Hmm. And I, from a young age, felt a little bit aloof, like I was a good visitor with the old ladies. I still am (laughs) better often (laughs) at like conversing with adult adults uh and like yeah older people than even people my own age and I mean it was the adult thing to do to have coffee when you had those conversations so I started drinking coffee really young really young I couldn't tell you like how young I was um I started abusing coffee probably in middle school <laughs> so uh, yeah I mean it it became clear that there wasn't enough like time in the day to do all the things uh with six kids growing up it was kind of nuts and my dad was deployed at times and so throughout middle school and then also through high school I you I mean drank coffee because I enjoyed it and then I also probably drank coffee because I was addicted to it and then I really overused coffee or abused coffee um when I was consistently getting two to four hours of sleep a night for some periods of time when, I mean, my dad was deployed and it was like, I was wearing a lot of hats. I was like the second oldest, so I did a lot for my siblings and then there was homework help and then there might be like cooking and then there's cleanup and then chores are expected to be done and so I might not get to my coursework, which almost all throughout high school I took college coursework online. Um... I mean, yeah, I just – I had nights where I slept for just a few hours a lot. So, like, yeah, I just – coffee was, like, married to my existence almost all throughout my childhood, really. And then college, I was so excited to be out from under my parents' roof because I think a lot of those pressures came and the, like, lack of sustainability came from that situation that my relationship with coffee changed because I was – finally able to control my time. And so then I cut back on my coffee for a lot of the same reasons as you guys talked about, like, oh, I don't want to have to rely on this. Um, and my most significant moment was when I got myself to the point where I could not drink coffee for a day and not have a splitting headache. So that was like, it just took a lot of time. And now I have like a cup a day and every now and then an espresso, but caffeine really affects my body. So I try not to do more than a cup a day, maybe two, and not in the afternoon or I cannot sleep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Evolution of relationship, <laughs> me and coffee. Yeah. We go way back. <laughs> yeah. But.
1: Yeah. Mine's for sure been also fluctuating. Uh, so, yeah, there were, there were a couple of phases when I was deep into coffee. And one was, I was at in, in a summer internship in Rochester at Mayo. And the, there was this, uh, there was this place down the street from the lab that my, uh, the guy I was working with my coworker had identified and it was $1 for whichever size of coffee you wanted. So for $1 to be able to get like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should, but I was was drinking like a a, a big gulp of, of, of coffee. Uh, I mean, pretty much every day because once you start, once I started on that train, I, like I just was, would be dead the next day if I didn't have it. And, uh, the other time was when I was working in an office and there was just the automatic coffee machine right there uh, just steps from my desk. It was a, it was a big challenge because I was just, I mean, I was immensely dependent on it. Um, but that all being said, so Voltaire, I don't think I've ever reached these levels. Voltaire, who's a famous philosopher, thinker, he would drink 20 to 30 to 50 cups of coffee a day. And he lived to 83. Mm -hmm. when an average life expectancy was 25 to 35 years (laughs) um yeah and in in the vein of revolutionary revolutionism i don't know if that's a word but he uh was especially uh he especially believed that no institute in no institution should be immune to challenge by reason it is better to risk saving a guilty man than to condemn an innocent man. Uh oh sorry that was one of the quotes by him but he he was especially or one of the the pieces of him he was interested in addressing the legal system and and justice at large but anyways yeah he drank immense amounts of coffee and lived to 83 wow. which is wild.
0: So that's a lot of coffee
1: that's a lot of coffee
0: for other common scientists out there i will throw out a recommended number now this recommended number comes from mayo clinic um which is the number one like clinic and hospital in the united states maybe in the world i'm not 100 percent sure on that uh so pretty reputable source um and they recommend not recommend They say that you can have up to 400 milligrams of caffeine safely, and they say that that is about four cups of, like, average cups, probably similar to the size I'm drinking right now of tea, not coffee, um, a day, which would be equivalent to 10 cans of cola a day. So it's quite a bit. So if you're at, like, two cups a day and you're feeling weird about it, you're you're probably doing okay but their article also did say that uh individuals can respond very differently to caffeine so of course of course consult with your doctor if you're worried about your your coffee intake uh don't quote us for your own health you have to find what feels good with a with an expert for sure but that's what's recommend or what's like the limit i guess
1: yeah
2: Hundred percent, and to your point, yeah, biochemistry is very complex. So any sort of substance, just like food, right? Some people can drink milk, some people can't. Some people can take, spite whatever. Biochemistry is really complex. So definitely, that's just a rough gauge. Exactly. Now with with that from Mayo, there's been so there was this um, umbrella study of met, of two hundred and one meta analyses by Pool et al. And so I was, uh, like I told you guys, and I'm still raging against the dying of the light. I've, for the most of my life, been a staunch, like, coffee, whatever, opponent. And one of the things a few years ago that got me to kind of, okay, maybe I can have it here and there. Okay, maybe I'm wrong, was I saw a slew of studies come out that were saying, okay, caffeine is really good for helping prevent... Alzheimer's and helping prevent this and doing that and blah 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 and it doesn't have all of these sort of neurotic effects that some people might have been implying or that coffee just seems to imply, right? It's like okay, mm-hmm. this this seems like if you do this for a long period of time, you might develop some neuroticism, right, yeah. or something like that. And you know there are some negative links at times. For example, I certainly would not recommend Voltaire's fifty cups a day. I'm wondering, like that is such an extreme amount. Like how potent was that coffee?
1: Oh. I, I know you don't know. I don't <laughs> know. I mean, I don't know how, how potent it was, but he was, I mean, he had essentially a love affair with it. Yeah. Like his, he, he was notorious for, for not treating himself super well. So like his supper would be like six cups of coffee and a loaf of bread. Yeah. And, then, and that was. No, I know. Yeah.
2: In the light, in the Enlightenment movement and therefore after. And also, if you don't know, Vol- Voltaire, an amazing writer and thinker looking at some of this stuff. I need to look more into him as well, yeah. but I just know it kind of like i mostly just know fancy quotes. Like I'm not I'm not some Bill Taylor fan, but he is a great thinker, so that's the only reason why we even mentioned him. That's why it's important that he was the one that drank this many cups of coffee, not just some random guy in like yeah. the 1700s yeah. or something. Right. <laughs> what, what were you to say Lauren?
0: I was just going to say that um when we were talking about how much caffeine was in his coffee mm-hmm. uh for those of our listeners who don't know, right, like, depending on the way that you brew your coffee, also depending on the way that you roast your coffee beans, mm-hmm. there can be a wide variety of of caffeine that actually ends up in the cup that you're drinking. So, too, the four cups a day could vary a lot depending on your technique and where you get your coffee beans.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. even going into it. And I was going to even ask you earlier, because you brought up fresh or French press, which it most coffee drinkers probably know, but maybe some people don't know. I was going to ask you, what are, besides just like the kind of slow burn of you not just slamming a bunch of coffee per day, do you know like the benefits or like the differences between like a French press and like a standard kind of pour-through model or anything like that?
0: So I, know one. I know one of them, um, and that's that you can allow your coffee to steep longer than if you have a pour-over. Um, which are what of what most of like the modern coffee makers also are, right? The water just comes and then steeps through automatically. Mm-hmm. But in a French press, you can allow your water to sit with the coffee beans for a longer period of time if you if you choose. So you can vary it. If you're wanting a lighter coffee, you might steep for a few minutes. If you're wanting a darker coffee with more caffeine content, you could steep longer. So that's one thing that I I actually ended up reading about for this cast, but didn't know prior to.
2: Yeah. And in that steeping process, I imagine along with uh, drawing out more of the flavors that are all in there, as opposed to if you're just pouring it in or through or whatever, you're just going to get whatever is readily available you're going to steep more and more in the French press. So then you're also probably getting a more, um, like a higher proportion of caffeine per cup than as well, I would guess.
0: Yeah, I would I would bet. It probably depends yeah. on steep time, but
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it would um, depend on steep time. Was Voltaire um, French?
2: He might have been French. I don't know. They, 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 they <laughs> he might have been, been the strong French. stuff. He might have been drinking the strong stuff. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's too funny. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it, it depends on the on the um steep time for sure Mm -hmm. one of the cons of the french press and why it's not super common is that it's difficult to clean and that's kind Mm. of aside from the caffeine debate Mm -hmm. but yeah um yeah so that's that's one of the cons for all you common signs.
0: Speaking of the caffeine debate also though, and we're kind of going back and forth mm-hmm. a little bit, but yeah, I think it's important that we do mention you can overdose on caffeine as a drug. Uh, so there is an amount of like, especially if you bought caffeine pills or caffeine powder, and I don't remember what the amount is. Maybe we can look it up, but there is an amount of of coffee that, or not coffee, of caffeine, that if you consume, you will die. Like, it is lethal. So um, while if you're drinking coffee, you're probably okay, right? Voltaire had tons of coffee in in the day. If you're taking caffeine pills or caffeine powder, that's a whole different story, and it depends on how concentrated it is and all sorts of things. But think back to that recommendation. Four cups, they equate to about 400 milligrams, so you have to check out your label if you do have uh, caffeine pills or or caffeine powder. But that was one thing that I came across in my research that I didn't actually like think of because I think of coffee and caffeine synonymously, and I think of coffee is safe. But on the Mayo Clinic article, also it just said like just a note like these two are not equivalent: caffeine powder and caffeine pills. Yeah. And just like any drug, you can overdose.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean correct me if i'm wrong i think that the my my thought is that you're when it comes to coffee again i'm uh consult your doctor but i think that like the amount you would need to drink of coffee is so high that it's pretty much not
0: yeah. Maybe a concern like at all uh yeah crazy. like which
1: is nuts right um but obviously if you're, if it's in a concentrated form, that's a different story, like in a, in a pillar and in, in powder, uh, one kind of fascinating observation that I came across and we've kind of touched on it with the age of enlightenment and, uh, these great thinkers drinking coffee is so, uh, as Dre said, around the time of these revolutions, coffee, was introduced, uh, so it was starting to to it reached Vienna um, via some Turks in Turkey uh, around fifteen thirty, and Michael Pollan, who's a, a famous kind of food author, he was claiming that the introduction of coffee into into Europe is the reason for a lot of these uh, explosive Uh, creative time periods in human history Uh, he was his his reasoning was that before uh, a lot of people to drink something that was safe were drinking beer because the fermentation process would take care of any uh, like dangerous bacteriums and things that would exist in the water and so once coffee came in people could start drinking coffee instead of beer, because obviously the boiling and things like that would kill the bad things. And so it was this like switch from people being tipsy all the time or buzzed all the time to people being like hardwired and, and, and ready to go. And then, and and he, and so that was his argument. And I do, I don't don't know if it is the sole cause, but um, I, I do see a lot of I mean just a lot of those kinds of kinds of trends in what we've been talking about, which is is cool.
0: I'm picturing like an enlightenment commercial, which probably didn't exist. But bear with me, where it's like someone trading in their beer for a coffee and like the music is like I can see clearly now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine Because the, the world the Western world's drug of choice was beer. You wake up drink beer doesn't matter how old you are drinking beer all day long so of course yeah it's depressant it's gonna we all know how alcohol works like makes you a little silly makes you a little sleepy makes you act on impulses a little bit more whereas damages your liver damages your liver right (laughs) and of course coffee slash caffeine it's a stimulant and we all know why in the most neurotic nation ever exist perhaps in modern America why we drink it right we're workaholics we want to go 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 achieve 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 build, build 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 and we are i do believe that coffee did play a huge part in the enlightenment i do believe that shift from drinking beer at breakfast to coffee at breakfast helped a lot of these thinkers think clearly and we can see there's a lot like we've already mentioned a couple times now these coffee houses that became hubs for leading thinkers revolutionaries The one of the like I can't remember what the major stock exchange places in America, but that started as a coffee house. Mm -hmm. A lot of these amazing, amazing, reputable um, organizations, the Royal Society out in the UK, which Benjamin Franklin and a lot of the most, you know, Thomas Jefferson, Isaac Newton, they're all a part of this. That started as a coffee club. So honestly, if you follow the you know the coffee bean trail, the coffee ground trail, I think I definitely think that's a really, really, really essential part of coffee, and it's or of the Enlightenment history, mm-hmm. and it's definitely changed my, like, when we started, when you were like, was it you who offered up coffee? I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to be railing against it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I don't care about this one study I saw five years ago that kind of made me think, and I kept researching and researching and researching, and I'm like, man, all these studies, and to your point, and to Pool et al.'s point that I mentioned earlier with the meta-analysis of mm-hmm. 201 studies, there is a limit right? So uh, essentially every number that I saw was saying four to five is good and maybe about four is the sweet spot. You're going to get the most benefit. Um, four
0: cups.
2: Four cups of yep. coffee is the sweet spot where you're going to get the most benefit from the stimulant effects and any sort of like neurowiring wiring stuff that might prevent some things mm-hmm. unless you're pregnant. Don't drink it for pregnant they said. But you won't hit where it can really start damaging you, really. And one of the biggest things, too, is that, like you said, it affects, and like everybody kind of knows, it affects your sleep. So a lot of the deleterious effects of coffee are that they ruin your sleep, which, of course, if you're not sleeping, then a whole slew of health issues can come following that. And that is really getting me thinking, because I was like, obviously, I am a creator, or I like to fancy myself that, (laughs) more of a consumer, unfortunately, at this point in my life. But I want to write books, and I want to great podcasts and do great things with my brain. And I've known for a long time that most of my favorite writers, most of the prolific writers that I've fell in love with are addicted to some substance. A lot of them cocaine, a lot of them cigarettes, and a lot of them coffee. And these things have one thing in common is they make you go, 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 go. And while some of my en- my energy as I'm approaching 30 has definitely decreased, I'm like, man, there's just so many nights where now it's 10:30, 30, 11, maybe midnight, where when I was eight years ago, I could have just push through, done whatever I needed to do until 3, 3 a.m. Now I'm like, man, I'm really crashing and I'm waking up tired and this and that. And of course, a lot of these things can be remedied with a better diet, drinking water, better sleep. But at the same time, that's not really how our lifestyle works in America. It's go, go, go. It's sacrifice. It's sleep when you're dead. And Michael Pollan, the guy that Aiden brought up a few minutes ago, who has done an ex- extensive work on food, and that's led him into some of these chemical compounds that are related to food: caffeine, mu- uh, magic mushrooms, et cetera, THC, et cetera, et cetera. He posed a question that I've always kind of. So he posed the question: Is it wrong to be dependent on caffeine? Is it de- is it wrong to be kind of to have this um, symbiotic relationship with this caffeine where? It's kind of the smartest drug of all time because it's the most popular beverage in the world besides water. Maybe teas, it might be for second, but it's either second or third. And I, I also saw a stat that it's like the number one commodity commodity besides um, crude oil. So it's like coffee, the um, plant, is like the most successful plant of all time because it's like it found the most intelligent, most kind of affordant creature, made it fall in love with it, made it dependent on it and then reproduce it all around the world like coffee is not going to oh, go out of yeah. style anytime soon
1: same goes for corn cats <laughs> that's dogs, true corn yeah cows right. yeah
2: so <laughs> these yeah whatever they did these to species. hack our <laughs> psychologies like they did a fantastic job and michael Pollan just saying hey is this an issue if this is make, if this brought us out of the dark ages if this brought us into the world of enlightenment into the safest place to ever exist and obviously, as I'm reading these studies, I'm asking myself again, what is it that I have against coffee? Is my ego? Is my idea that I want to live a life off my own passion as opposed to exploit my success <laughs> with this drug that I can take four servings of per day and be okay, and probably be a better version of myself? Is that should I be worrying about? Mm, I'm not me without coffee. Me without coffee, like I like you guys, you're who you guys are as people. It's coffee. Like it's coffee drink. I'm not saying that's who you are. But I'm saying like, that's a part of you, right? If you took oh, the coffee yeah. away, you guys would be different people, right? Grumpier, like a little bit, whatever, more yeah. tired, right? Or am I wrong? Oh, Yeah.
0: Uh, it depends. I mean, there are days that I like conscientiously decide I probably once every six months do a coffee cleanse for two weeks, and like maybe the first day. Mm-hmm. And now more, I'm getting into like once a week or twice a week, trying to do a coffee less day, and then I'll have tea instead. But I mean, yeah,
1: <laughs> no tea instead.
0: Like, okay, I yeah, stop caffeine, some caffeine yeah. a
1: little less, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I think one, so there is one, one thing to point out about your hesitation. And it seems like a kind of a common thread throughout us that, uh, we have all had kind of this thought that we do not want to be so reliant upon, uh, an external is, uh, so the Arabica plant, which is. Uh, accounts for a huge percentage of coffee sold wor- worldwide uh, is uh, according to some climate climate models, the range of that plant is decreasing. so the amount of like area that is conducive suitable. to the plant growing suitable to the to the plant growing is reducing because of the rise in temperatures and because it is it can, only grow in such specific conditions they call it the the coffee belt uh so like brazil is a is a huge producer and ethiopia and africa and there's a few other countries colombia that are also uh super producers of coffee but one of the fears of climate change is that there will be less and less coffee available and coffee at more expensive prices or not at all maybe someday which is uh yeah a quandary in terms of the like have we built a society that is so dependent on coffee like can we can we do the things that we do without coffee I don't know um so that's just one thing that I think uh is is something to consider in terms of yeah the the coffee addiction that we most people so
0: within our lifetimes we're probably like we're probably okay maybe prices will rise which i don't like this argument for other reasons but if we're thinking of coffee only Mm -hmm. i think we should do everything we can to save the environment but like if we're thinking of coffee (laughs) only we are probably okay but the next generation or the next generation so like maybe we don't let our kids drink coffee so that they're not addicted by the time they're
1: <laughs> i don't even know i think it'll I be i think it'll be in our lifetime um i mean depending on how things turn out and how much change happens it could be in our lifetime which is
0: that it's gone
1: uh that it's super expensive probably to obtain yeah
0: that's what i'm saying mm-hmm.
1: hmm.
0: but like probably not gone
1: I'm not sure Crazy. that I'm worried about that. Like they'll just have
2: caffeine in some other form. Mm-hmm. Coffee. Mm-hmm. See, this is the thing where I it can't help but shape the idea that the reason why people like coffee is because of caffeine. I don't know that without. I don't think that without caffeine, ca- coffee would have blown up in this way. It's the effect that is making us fall in love with it, yeah. and then over time, we just like okay, like this bitter taste is it's okay. I can make some cream in it and do that. So for me. Obviously, personally, I don't give a damn, But also, as a species, now if you're going to say caffeine's going to go out of existence, then I might be a little bit worried.
1: Where do the caffeine pills come from?
2: Yeah, but you think that they're not going to? I understand. I don't I'm don't trying know. to mass grow all, all, mass produce all these coffee beans and all that. But are you saying that they won't even be able to synthetically or anything replicate this?
1: I I think so. This? I'm I'm I don't know, and. I don't know, um, but I think that isn't caffeine. Aren't caffeine pills produced from the decaffeination process of caffeine? Possibly.
2: I'm but pretty there's sure that's the case. I also don't know. Are yeah. yeah. caffeine yeah. in it though? Chocolate. That's true. Yeah. So I'm not as concerned about right about coffee per se. Going on a of business. Also, I think that they will. They'll just develop. They'll genetically engineer some sort of different bean that can grow in some sort of environment. Maybe it won't be. It won't be growing like it is today, but it's similar to how there's people who who are trying to combat climate change and the effect of cows on the environment by growing lab-grown meat.
0: Mm-hmm. So like we're
2: going to find some sort of way yeah. to change this process.
0: I, I, yeah. I, I hear you. I also hear you. Uh, mm-hmm. However, I'm hoping you can potentially put a pin in it because okay. one thing that you had mentioned earlier um, was the effects of caffeine. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been kind of talking about that. But you specifically were talking about like feeling less tired and um, I think the science of it is super fascinating. So the reason that you guys don't get tired when you like consume caffeine or consume coffee is because um, there are receptors in our brain and a lot of times people uh, make like a Y shape. And when we get tired, our body releases little um, molecules that will come and um, like bind to those receptors and coffee will block that. Um, And so when it's bound, that's what tells our body that it's tired. So what coffee does, it comes in and it blocks it so that your body can't, like the receptors can't find any of the molecules, so it doesn't know that you're tired. So you might have a ton of little tired molecules floating around in your brain, but they can't find that receptor to bind to because the coffee is inhibiting it, right? It's blocking it. It's called competitive inhibition. And what our body does then to compensate for that is it literally creates more receptors in your brain. Um, more tired receptors, so that hopefully these tired molecules will find the receptor right and bind. And the fascinating thing is, there hasn't been a ton, a ton of research beyond the fact that as of now there is no known upper limit. So if you keep consuming caffeine, your body will just keep putting tired receptors in your brain, um, and so that's what puts that crashing effect, right? If you're a person who drinks five, four five cups of coffee, maybe even two, and then you end up forgetting it or you leave the house to relieve whatever it is and you have like a headache. I mean, yeah, if you can imagine, you have all these extra receptors that are built to know when you're tired and usually a good portion of them are blocked with caffeine, but then all of a sudden you don't have caffeine to block. So you have all these receptors exposed, right? Like that I think is a little bit, innerving like thinking about some of that science but as of yet there are no known negative health impacts of the increase of receptors in your brain
2: yeah that isn't a problem that i've thought about i think largely because in all the research they haven't right it hasn't become a problem yet but it's it sounds like it sounds terrifying it does it (laughs) does like how can that not be a problem
0: i mean I guess, yeah, you just keep blocking it. and But that's also then the reason why you'll have a tolerance, right? You'll mm-hmm. end up, like, right. feeling like you need two cups, and then you're at three cups, and then you're looking back on your life, and you're like, oh, my God. You know? Like, yeah. I drink so much coffee. I
2: didn't see anything on, um, like, caffeine fasting. If you fast for a little bit from it, do they just start to reduce, and mm-hmm. then you can just bump back up? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so it's a similar, it, that's similar, I think, with many other drug pathways, but uh, do your common science research, common scientists. Hmm. Hmm. Have you guys heard? I'm kind of all over the place. Any other comments on, <laughs> on science? Otherwise, I have a question.
2: No, the only thing I have to say is the receptors is adenosine. That's all I know. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Yeah. <laughs> Caffeine imitates uh, adenosine. So. Yeah. Mm.
0: Cool. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. So <laughs> Dre, have you guys heard of uh, free trade coffee? Uh,
1: I have heard of it, yeah.
0: Have you heard of it, Dre? So that, this is the other area that I ended up looking into a little bit because I have a sister who's adopted from Nicaragua, And um, there is some coffee production in Nicaragua. And my first experience there, I was exposed to some of the worker conditions, which were less than ideal, but I think still met whatever requirements needed to be met for the plant to be functional. Um, And this is the case in many, many other coffee production places around the world. If you look into like how workers are compensated or treated, and also even how much the industry, like, how much of the profit is um, maintained within, like, the the coffee plant or within, like, the workers. A lot of it ends up elsewhere with, like, the people who are processing the beans and then repackaging them in Starbucks packaging or whatever. So I was wanting to see if there was something that would help me now if I'm responsibly consuming coffee in like a more ethical way in a way that was better supporting like worker wages and compensation and fair trade essentially and yeah I came across the the like fair trade coffee and it's a land it's kind of a landmark now there were three major companies I think that merged to make it what it is today it came out of a statute from the United Nations that was refined like several times but I I didn't realize that like the trade of coffee was talked about at the level of the United Nations that was so fascinating but then also that there is a label there are labels of coffee that say like free trade certified and then you can uh, hopefully be consuming coffee that is has a goal of better supporting like local workers so that was an area of excitement yeah
1: you should look out for this that stamp this other stamp i'm not sh- so sure i'm not so convinced uh so <laughs> there's this special coffee that goes for 500 dollars a pound and i learned about this on reviewing dre's uh, upcoming essay and <laughs> oh, yeah. so there are these elephants um that will eat uh coffee beans and in wow. thailand they will uh like they eat these coffee beans and the coffee beans go through their stomach and it goes through this fermentation process and then they poop them out. And the coffee beans after they've been pooped out, apparently have a unique flavor (laughs) and people will go and harvest it and sell it in these super fancy restaurants in like across Asia and all these countries. And um, it's because of this like fermentation process that they apparently become fruitier and and more flavorful Mm -hmm. and i thought that was uh yeah just a unique niche of of coffee for sale when you say it's five hundred
2: dollars what do you mean like per pound
1: uh yeah so yeah u.s five hundred dollars per pound
2: Mm. That is pretty remarkable. I think one of the most famous versions of that is, like, the Balinese palm civets that do it. Like, in Bali or in Indonesia, they have, like, a lot of these palm civet farms. Which a palm civet, I can't remember what type of animal it is, but it kind of looks like this kind of tree cat-looking thing. I guess cats can climb trees, but long tail kind of looks like a cat. So they do the same thing. They eat the cherries, the coffee cherries. Yep, coffee's a cherry, if you didn't know. I didn't. (laughs) and then you know their gut biome ferments and if you don't know what fermentation is i'm sure you've heard of it but i think i can do it justice so fermentation is essentially an anaerobic process controlled or propelled with like enzymes as the catalyst or i guess enzymes are catalysts that break down whatever the material is whatever the chemical chemical compounds are And that's as simple as fermentation is. And it just so happens that fermentation gives us a lot of amazing byproducts like alcohol and coffee.
0: Cool.
2: So, yeah. So, they do the whole fermentation process, poop it out, and they make a ton of money off of it. And when we were in Bali, we had the opportunity to go to a coffee farm. And we ended up passing on it because we were actually on a super long, not super long, but like too long of a drive from I can't remember what like, what this area is called, but it's like the cancun of Bali, all the way to Ubud, which is into like this forest of Bali, this jungle. And they're like, Oh, do you want to see like these super cool civet farms or like we do this magical thing with coffee? And the coffee's like a hundred bucks per whatever, whatever. And I'm like, Okay, I don't really like coffee, but it sounds kinda cool. We ended up not doing it because our drive was just too long. And now I'm Man, like, mm, I don't know, probably not vegan, so I probably wouldn't do it again. But we did get the coffee this time around because we didn't think about it. So I have had the poop coffee.
1: You have had the. I and, had and had is the it better than coffee. regular coffee?
0: Was it as shitty as it sounds?
2: <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, I see the thing is is like I feel like
0: feel so
2: M loved it. I don't like coffee. I might be one of these super bitter tasters. So to me, it was pretty nasty. I was like, <laughs> I, I felt bad that I wasted like the twenty dollar sip yeah they get to like enjoy and bask in Man. her poop coffee but yeah these these poop coffees do exist and there apparently there is some like you said a lot of these amazing flavors that come through going through the gut of elephants and palm civets and i i don't know if at any point someone is in like the backwoods of america eating coffee beans and or cherries and fermenting them their own coffee i'm yeah. not sure yeah oh, gosh
0: if you're a coffee guru and you're offended right now sorry <laughs> it's probably not called chip coffee but it sounds cool
2: it is what it is any other fun facts about coffee
0: gosh i don't know but i think we've covered it quite a bit
1: yeah we've covered quite a bit um yeah there was one so one of the one thing that popped up that i uh didn't bring up when I was mentioning the the stages in life, when I became a coffee addict in like, especially a coffee addict since I am today anyways, uh, was when I was uh, studying in Scandinavia and they're amongst the highest coffee consumers. And we would have like a coffee with breakfast. And then there was Fika, which was, is their word in Sweden specifically their word for uh coffee and a pastry like combined and so we would have fika uh, around mid-morning and then you'd have coffee with lunch and then you'd have afternoon coffee at like three o'clock and so that was that was the daily routine uh and so i I just it's also hypercultural as far as how much coffee people will drink and i wasn't so familiar with that and um Yeah, just thought I'd toss that in there.
0: Yeah, thanks for tossing it in. Well, common scientists, next time you get your kick through coffee, maybe you'll think about a couple of these fun facts that we shared in this common science cast. Uh, If not, it's all good. For those elephant poop coffee drinkers, maybe you can shout out on the the YouTube and let us know uh, what what it's actually called and (laughs) why you like it. Otherwise, we will see you guys next time.
2: Hey, Common Scientists. Hope you enjoyed the cast. Thanks for investing in Common Science. We hope it brought as much value to you as it did to
1: us. To learn more, smash the subscribe button and visit our website, commonscientists.com, where you can read our blog, join our email newsletter, and follow us on social media.
0: Finally, if you like what we have to say you can absolutely support us on Patreon, we can always use more support. You can navigate there also from our website commonscientists.com, common scientists with an S, so that we can continue cultivating a community of common scientists.